Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Ephesians chapter number six, and starting in verse number one. The Bible says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I said last week, and I want to say it just once again before we pray, that very clearly Paul is telling us, That if your faith is not working in the home, your faith is not working. Uh, Your faith should should not just be something that's put on on display here in church. Uh, Your your faith, your Christianity should be something that is lived out in the home. And I hope that we'll be challenged with that again yet this morning. And so God, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would bless our time uh, in your word. Lord, uh, bless uh, this study of Lord how uh, children should obey their parents and how parents, Lord, how we can uh, bring up and train our children uh, in you. And God, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth this morning would truly just flow from you to your people so that we might be helped and that we might be able to live for you more effectively this week in our homes. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My, uh, my wife and I, Rebecca and I, love being parents. We, uh, we love it. It's so much fun uh, watching them grow up and learn new things, and it's, it's so endearing, you know, when they uh, first say, I love you to you, and uh, run up to you when you get home from work, or uh, run to uh, Felicity and Ellery do this thing where I, I leave, and I have to back up the, I, I have to act like I'm starting to leave and then back up the car back to the uh, front door because they want to give me an extra hug and kiss. Love it. So endearing. Uh, it, it's so cute watching them play and use their imaginations and all of that. And it's amazing to see how they interact with each other as siblings. But as much as we love it, it's like not easy, you know? <laughs> for, the, for those of you who are parents, you, you understand sometimes they're sinners, uh, they, they just flat out do and say some things that you're like, what in the world? Like, what is going on right now in their minds? They wake you up in the middle of the night because they're hungry and need fed or because they're sick or just because they woke up and they think if they're awake, you're supposed to be awake. And so uh, there's, there's just all kinds of things. Don't even get me started on, on poopy diapers and potty training and all that, right? Uh, but it, it's one of the most exhausting, crazy, fun, weird experiences that you can have in your life is being a a parent. And ultimately, it is such a rewarding experience. But like, think about this. Uh, God Almighty himself has entrusted these little creations of his, people made in his image, and he expects you to keep them alive by feeding them and cleaning them and making them get sleep and then ultimately to help them learn how to do all of these things themselves. And then on top of that, as Christians, we also have a responsibility to their soul on the soul level. 
uh, we uh, should be praying for and teaching them toward and helping direct their heart toward God so that they might make the decision to accept him as their personal savior when they get to that point. And then, and then after that, to, to train and to nurture them to live the way that Christ has called his people to live. And when you consider all of that, the physical aspects of it, the emotional aspects of it, and the spiritual aspects of it, that's heavy. There, there's a weight to that. Uh, and, and you might be here today and you say, I, I feel that weight, Pastor. I, I feel the weight of parenting. Uh, I, I feel it. First of all, I want to say good. It's good that you feel that weight because it is weighty. Uh, and, and if you're here today and you're like, I feel no pressure whatsoever to parent uh, or the area spiritually or any of that thing, then most likely you, first of all, need to get something right in your life spiritually, whether that's salvation, coming to Christ yourself, or whether that's getting right with the Lord. But when you truly think about all that you have as a responsibility uh, as a parent to, to uh, nurture and to admonish and to bring up and train children in the Lord... And that is, that is heavy, uh, and, and you feel that weight. But I want to encourage you in two ways, okay? If you feel that way, I want to encourage you in two ways. First of all, you can't do it, okay? You're like, wait, I thought you, I thought you were supposed to encourage us this morning, Pastor. No, it's actually encouraging that you can't do it, because as, if you've been with us in our study, we understand that Christian living is not something that can be manufactured, it's not something that we can make up and put on a front and, and, and make that last. It, it's, not, uh, it's not a viable option of living the Christian life. It, it really isn't something that can be manufactured. The Christian life manifests itself out of a close relationship with God through his word and by living in accordance with the leading of his Holy Spirit, as we saw just uh, two weeks ago in chapter number five. Living in accordance with the word of God and with the Spirit of God. This is how we are enabled and empowered to uh, fulfill the calling as parents, and even children to fulfill the calling of obeying your parents. And so, first of all, be encouraged to know the way that you feel when it comes to raising your children is not something that you must try to do in your own power, but rather something that can be done through God's mighty power working in and through you. And then secondly, I want to encourage you by saying, God didn't just hand you kids and say, good luck. <laughs> he actually gave us like a guidebook for how we can parent and bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. He gave us some instructions, and we're going to see some general instructions this morning in our passage today. But before we dive into that, uh, I, I, want to, uh, I, I want to address the children, uh, which doesn't only include the young people today. It includes really all of us who have been born. If you're living today, you've been born, okay? So we're all children in some way. Uh, but also, maybe you're here, you're no longer in your parents' house, you're, you're no longer a dependent or a child in a home, uh, but yet you're not also a parent of your own uh, yet. You're not, you don't parent any children of your own. Well, this message is still for you, okay? Because if you're saved today, you are a child of the King, our Heavenly Father, and he should be obeyed. His teaching, his word should be heeded. And so I want us to uh, really dive into how this can, and at the end I'll give some specific application for all of us. But let's look first of all, the God's promise to children. Okay, God's promise to children. I apologize, the slides aren't here today, but God's prom uh, promise to children. He says in verse number one, he says, children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Listen, if you are a child, if you are dependent in someone else's home, you are under the authority of your parents or your grandparents or whoever's home you are in. If you are not the head of the household, you are called to obey the one who is. Obey your parents. You, you might be, have been here last week and uh, as children you say, well, wait a second, last week you said something about like a mutual partnership, uh, that we're on equal fitting, fitting and there's mutual submission to each other. That's not how this one works, okay? There is mutual submission. We'll talk to that, uh, talk to that in just a minute. But specifically, last week, the word submit that does not mean uh, in subjection to in rank. However, obey here actually does give a connotation of the parents have a rank above the children and children are to, are to follow that rank and obey. Lay aside uh, your, uh, your uh, own thoughts on any matter and follow what your parents tell you to do. And there is mutual submission in that both you and your parents are called within the home to lay aside your own com uh, comfortability in order to obey what God is calling you to do to make the home work. That's what mutual submission is, and we're going to see that. But it is not mutual partnership in the home like we talked about with marriage last week. You are not just to submit, you are to obey. You are to heed the voice of your parents and do what they say. You say, but I don't like the rules. doesn't matter. But I don't understand the rules. Doesn't matter. You obey, you honor your father and your mother, okay? And as a follower of Jesus, you understand, if you are a child here and you are a follower of Jesus, you understand he's called me to submit completely to the authority that he has placed over me in the home, and I am to obey them in order to honor him. I, I obey and honor my parents in order to obey and honor my Savior, Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't just give a blanket command to the children. He actually gives an explanation. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. You say, Pastor Micah, how is that even true? Well, uh, in, in a few ways. Okay, How, does that mean I'm going to live long and have a really long life and like live to be 190 if I obey and honor my parents? Not necessarily. There's a principle here, but it's true in a few ways, and I want us to see that. First of all, if you obey your parents and honor your parents, your life will go well and you will live longer. Why? Because your parents won't kill you. Okay, I'm teasing, of course. I'm teasing, all right? I'm just teasing. But young person, I don't think you realize how many times you've actually almost killed or hurt yourself <laughs> okay there there's a truth to this in the fact that i i, I mean uh, our our daughter ellery right now is at that age where like i turn at any moment and she's like climbing a fence or you know like jumping off our top bunk of our bunk bed or like trying to plug in a fork into an outlet you know just crazy stuff like that right now and uh and i don't think children sometimes we realize how many times we actually almost hurt or kill ourselves and our parents are actually there to help and instruct us to not do that okay so in a very real way you're going to live longer as you heed the wisdom of your parents that are trying to help you live longer okay there's a very real and obvious application to this but also 
spiritually, there's a very real promise from God. The, the word Paul actually uses here can mean not only promise, but a blessing. It, it's obvious that God, he loves you and he wants to bless you. And when you obey mom and dad, God is honored and he says that's going to make things go well with you. Your heavenly father is watching and he wants to bless you for doing this. Okay, and, and this is important for the parents to note as well, okay? Because uh, it, it's very important that you teach your kids this aspect of obedience. See, it's one thing to command or demand behavior from your kids. It's another thing to cultivate the heart that leads to a behavior. Some parents, they never get to the heart and reason for the instructions of God. And so they have kids who have the behavior of a Christian down because they've just learned how to follow directives. But all along, they've only been whacking on the will of their kids instead of cultivating the heart of their kids. Not just do these things, but here's why we do these things. When teaching our kids to obey us, we must, we must, we must teach them the motivation for doing so. And there's only one correct motive that we should have in teaching our kids to obey us. See, a lot of parents, they teach their kids obedience because it makes their kids less annoying. They, they've used their authority to be able to control their own environment. And so whenever their kids are doing something that annoys them or that bugs them, they can very easily tell them what to do in order to make their own life more comfortable. Other parents, they teach their kids obedience because their children being obedient looks better. They don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. Uh, and, and just a side note, here at Ridgepoint, we all understand that everyone's kids are crazy and out of whack, okay? So don't, don't worry about that part, okay? Don't, don't worry about that part, uh, that every single one of us understand our kids are just, are, are learning, okay? And, and they're kids. But many parents, they do command obedience from their kids because they don't want to look bad. They don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. And there, there are others that we could go into, but for sake of time, let's go down to the one motive that we should have in teaching our kids to obey. And that is this, because that is the place of God's blessing in their life. That is the place of God's blessing in their life. I want God to bless them. When conveying to them obedience, I want to help them see the heart of God. God loves you, dear child. And God wants to bless you. And when you obey mom and dad, God is honored. And he says that's going to make things go well for you. And that's why uh, when you're explaining, child, that's why I want you to obey me. Is because that's where God's blessing is for your life. It has, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm uncomfortable with what you're doing. It has nothing to do with the fact that, uh, that I don't want to be embarrassed by you and everything to do with the fact that I want God's best for you. And so I want you to obey me because that is what, uh, where you find God's blessing and God's best for your heart and life. And, and listen, your children, they know your motives. They do. They can see it. They, it's instinctive and subconscious that they know your motives. They intuitively respond to a Christ-like love and leadership, and they intuitively grow to resent a self-centered, bullied, power trip, forceful or fearful type of leadership. And this is why Paul says the next thing that he does. And Paul's transitions from God's promise to children to God's warning for parents. He says in the first part of verse number four, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. 
If you as parents only cultivate the outward behavior of your children and neglect to cultivate the heart of your children to the Lord, it will bring them to resentment, bitterness, and anger. That word provoke means to push them toward or to prod a certain way. And there's actually a way of parenting that can push your children to be bitter, wrathful, and angry people. And in the parallel passage to this one in the book of Colossians, Paul says an extra thing. He says, don't provoke them to wrath lest they be discouraged. And the word discouraged means dismayed or knocked off the course, knocked off of the course in life. It seems that Paul was concerned that there may be parents that claim to be followers of Christ, but because of the way they lead their family, the next generation of believers are becoming dismayed and walking away and being knocked off their course in life. I have a lot of friends that, that I grew up with that are no longer in church. They walked away from it all, never having truly believed in Christ because they had parents who put on them a lot of behavioral conformity to certain standards with no cultivating of a heart toward God. They saw an angry, critical, and fear-based Christianity, and as a result, they walked away saying, I don't want any of that. That's what Paul is warning against here for us as parents. I believe each and every Christian parent would agree, we don't have a desire to watch our kids walk away from the Lord. We don't. But maybe too often we are parenting in a way that provokes them to wrath and discouragement rather than toward the Lord. So let's, let's just get a little practical. What are, what are some ways parents often provoke their children to wrath? This is a, a list that I've compiled from and condensed a little bit from a list that I read from uh, John MacArthur, who pastors down in California, a man named uh, Skip Heitzig in New Mexico, Kerry Schmidt in uh, Connecticut, and another guy named Tim Challies. Uh, up in Canada. You can find any of their blogs that they've written on this and, and things like that and, and find some of these. I've worded them a little bit differently, but some of these, just a list of ways that we oftentimes as parents provoke our children to wrath. The first one would be this, well-meaning overprotection. Fear as opposed to boldness. Isolation from the world instead of moral courage to engage the world. We, we overprotect our children from the world uh, and they, they need to be given a little bit of rope to make mistakes. They do. At, at some point, uh, one of the men said, at some point, our kids need to be guided, not controlled. Uh, at a young age, like especially the age that my children are right now, a lot of what they do needs to be controlled, okay? No, you cannot do that. No, you must do this. You have to control. But as they grow, that parenting will, will develop not into a controlling atmosphere, but into a guiding one. They need some rope to uh, make mistakes and yes, protect them, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but you need to not be so overbearing with protection that it, it, it actually just drives them into bitterness and wrath. We need to make sure that we guide them. Another way would be favoritism or comparing one child to another. They feel that they can never measure up to another kid. Why can't you be like, well, your, your brother said this, your brother does this in, in school. And, and always comparing uh, and, and be, making the ha a home a competitive uh, culture. That should never be the case in a home. No favoritism or comparing of one child to another. Pushing achievement beyond reasonable bounds. This is often by parents who have ne didn't excel in life and now they're living through their children vicarious vicariously. Pressure to excel at a certain sport or at a certain uh, hobby or 
uh, in school that uh, you have to have all A pluses and never get anything less. And if they ever do, that you come down hard on them. Uh, they, they can't live under that pressure. And it's going to drive them to live angry and bitter lives. Another one would be perpetual discouragement or criticism. Always pointing out what they're doing wrong or what is wrong with them and never pointing out what's right. Can I say this? There is more right with your child than there is wrong with your child. And some of you are looking at me like, you don't know my kids, Pastor. No, trust me, okay? Trust me. There is way more right with your kid than there is wrong with them. And and they need to hear that. Uh, man, I, I'm so lucky that I get to be your dad. I'm so lucky that I get to be your mom. You, you're such a hard worker. You know, I noticed that you always get up really early. What do you do that for? Uh, you're reading your Bible? I, I commend you for that. They need to hear praise and commendation rather than constant criticism and, bringing di- and, and, and strife. Strive to, uh, for every one wrong thing that you're going to bring up to them, strive to bring up like 10 right things. Okay, that's, that's going to be hard sometimes, and you're never going to always get there, but if you're striving for that, you're probably going to be in the right direction, where you're praising rather than always criticizing them. Uh, another way would be the absence of sacrificial love. They make a child feel like a mistake or a nuisance in the home. They feel like their existence is a disruption of their parents' happiness, and, and they use, uh, the parents use conditional love or uh, making love Uh, a reward granting it when they're good and withdrawing it when they're bad this is a terrible way uh, to parent it will drive them to bitterness a failure uh, to accept their growth rate or their normal pace of maturity expecting them to mature beyond their years will make them angry i loved how one of the men put it he said this not allowing a child to be childish when doing so is completely harmless and perfectly normal uh, man, there's sometimes my kids are doing stuff that I'm like, why, right? <laughs> but sometimes it, it, they're a child. <laughs> like, it's not hurting anyone. They're a kid. <laughs> Let them be a kid, all right? Don't become so overbearing and, 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 and that you fail to accept their normal pace of maturity and growth. Uh, let them be a kid uh, and, and, and help develop them into becoming young adults another way would be physical or verbal abuse overbearing physical discipline there's there's nothing wrong with an appropriate spanking or a smacking on the hand okay no one calls cpa okay but uh that that just uh there's nothing wrong with with appropriate physical discipline but flying off the handle and using force and just using things to hurt them into obedience that is not okay and verbal abuse is not okay (laughs) How often do people say things to their children that they would never say to another human being? Well, you obviously never use your brain. You can't do anything right. Do you understand you are shaping the identity of your child by the words that you say to them? You are shaping their identity. Use your words rightly. Another one would be neglect or passivity or disengagement and desertion. They need your time. Love them enough to give them it. Don't be passive with your kids. Engage with them. Spend time with them. Don't be aloof and make sure that your involvement is not just heavily felt when they do wrong, where you are heavily involved and blow up when they don't make their beds or, or fail a test or other problems arise, but other than that, you're distant. Don't let that be the case. Spend time with 
your kids. Be involved in their interests and their hobbies. Make sure they know that you care and make sure that they know you're not going to leave. Make sure that they understand those things. Another way would be duplicity or hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the home over authenticity. This is not talking about being a normal Christian who struggles with the flesh, okay? They understand that you're not perfect. I'm talking about flagrant, willful, being one person at home and another person in other contexts. They will reject the faith often if you do this. This, this might be looking like holding ourselves to a certain standard that, and then holding our children to a different standard. Uh, I, I heard all the time growing up, not from my parents, but from people saying, hey, this is how I parent. Uh, do, do what I say, not what I do. It's an awful way to parent. <laughs> as, they're, as they're sitting there smoking a cigarette saying, you should never do this. No, 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 no. Don't hold yourself to a different standard than your kids. If you're going to make your kids do something, don't, uh, as I said last week, don't, uh, don't subject someone to some kind of submission that you would not mutually give yourself in the right context. Make sure that you are parenting uh, in a way that, uh, <clears throat> that is authentic, not hip- hypocritical. Uh, and then sometimes we provoke them to wrath by focusing on goodness instead of holiness. Strongly emphasizing certain standards and preferences to the exclusion of actual heart-level holy living. This is largely the culture in which many of my friends grew up and, and some of you even in here uh, grew up that there was such an emphasis on outward appearance and Christian behavior but not much emphasis on real love for God and what he has done through, uh, for us through the gospel. And, and, and as we said and we've seen all through the book of Ephesians, when the gospel is forefront, when the gospel is the thing that is uh, emphasized, when the gospel and what Jesus Christ did for us and his love that was shown for us is what penetrates our heart, then from that gospel identity and that love will motivate a certain style of behavior. That's the whole second part of Ephesians of what we're talking about here. Gospel living flows out of gospel identity. So don't just focus on outward behavior. Focus on cultivating a heart of love and of holiness toward God. Another way we do it would be pride instead of humility. An unwillingness to repent of our own faults and displaying humility in front of our children. It's okay to tell your children you are wrong. It's okay to. Uh, and, and even to apologize to them for when you are wrong. It's not going to ruin the guise of your authority that you think that you have. In fact, it will strengthen your authority because they'll see you as a real person. They will see you as authentic. Trust me, if they see you humble enough to admit fault to them, they will feel comfortable doing the same to you. If you can willingly and humbly go to your kids and say, hey, you know, yesterday when I did that, I was doing that out of anger. It was obvious that I was doing that out of anger. I wanted to tell you that was wrong of me. And I'm sorry. You do things like that, your kids will naturally, when they do something wrong, come to you and say, hey, dad, hey, dad, um, so yesterday when I did that wrong thing, and there's a mutual submission here, and, and we should lead by example as parents, not being so prideful that we can't admit fault ever. We, we are not always right, and our, par- our kids even need to hear us say that, because they already know it. <laughs> they need to hear you say that. I'm sure if we, we really tried, we could think of a lot more than just some of these, but we'll suffice it to say this. As a parent, you do have the capacity to steer your children in the wrong way by how you parent them. So, okay, that's a great warning, but 
then how do I not do that, pastor? How do I make sure to steer them in the right direction? Well, that's where Paul goes next. Paul says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is God's instruction to parents. He gives a warning and then he gives an instruction. The most impactful investment that you can make into your children, Paul says here, is not material or financial or even emotional. It is spiritual. How you invest spiritually into your kids. You need to strive to invest spiritually into your children. Nurture and admonition are words that encompass training, and encouragement, and even encompasses discipline. The word nurture there is the same Greek word that in Hebrews, when it says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That word chasten and nurture, same Greek word, which shows us that uh, our, our idea here is that even disciplining our children is motivating them toward the Lord if we do it in the right way. The idea is that our speech to our children, our actions to our children, and our disciplining of our children would all have a specific direction, and that direction would be the way of the Lord. Okay, so how do I do this, Pastor? Well, here are three practical things for us as parents to remember to help bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of, of, of the Lord. Okay, first of all, you need Jesus in your home. You need Jesus in your home. You need to focus on Christ in your family. You do. And if you focus on Jesus with your family, first of all, I'm telling you, if you focus on Jesus with your family, you're going to have your children in church. You will. I'm always amused by Christians who wonder at why their children walked away from God, but they never had them in church, right? They're going to do travel ball every weekend for six months because their child has, has aspirations to become a mediocre high school ba- uh, baseball player, <laughs> And I'm being a little bit facetious there, but the, but the truth and the reality is that oftentimes too many parents sacrifice the entirety of their relationship with God and their children's be, and their children's relationship with God because they never prioritized church when they were young. Why would your children prioritize church when they grow up if you don't do it while they're young? You need to have your kids in the house of God, but not just you in the house of God, but God in your house. You need God in your home. Uh, You need to uh, play and sing Christian music in your home. You need to watch television shows that actually help your family. Uh, You need to share with your kids how God has spoken to you through a message or, or maybe a devotional podcast or personal time in the word. Share that with your children. Pray with your kids. As you leave for work, as you, as they leave for school, it doesn't have to be long. As I said last week, uh, one of the best ways to be consistent in your prayer life with your wife, same thing with your kids. Keep it short, keep it, keep it consistent, and if you miss a day, don't miss two. Consistently make it a goal to be a spending time in prayer with your children. You need Jesus in your home. Invest Christ into your children. And then you also, not only do you need Jesus in the home, you need safety in the home. You need safety in the home. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, some of you, this is closer than others for us. I remember when we first had Felicity. You remember when you had your first kid and like every little thing in the house is childproofed? And then as you get more kids, like now you don't even care. <laughs> like like anything happens, you're like, oh no, they hit their head on the table. Okay. Like, you know, it just, at the more kids you have, it's not quite as childproof, okay? But uh, I'm not just talking about physical, physical safety, okay? Although, uh, because the reality is this, no matter how much you do, your kids will still find a way to be unsafe. <laughs> That's the reality of it. But 
you have a responsible to cultivate their heart toward God. And so I'm not even just talking about physical safety here. I am talking about their safety in the home spiritually. How do we do that, Pastor? Well, you need to be aware of their media content. You need to be aware of your children's media content. The media around you is not produced by Christians. <laughs> Understand this and, uh, and live accordingly, okay? As Christians, we love the world. We really do. But remember, if you were with us when we studied Ephesians chapter 4, they are demented in their minds. They have broken minds. They have broken thinking. We need to be aware of what they are teaching our children. Be aware of what TikTok theologians your children might be exposed to. Be aware of what YouTube sensations they, they watch, uh, what they're teaching them. Be aware that Disney is not a Christian company, <laughs> okay? Be aware of these things. And they absolutely do have a worldview that, is try, that they are trying to teach your children. Now, th this doesn't mean we completely cut them off from all media, Okay, we'll talk about that in a moment, but we need to be aware of their media content. Be aware of what they have access to on the internet. I, I, I have certain, even me, uh, I, I have certain programs in my computer that block certain content that might pop up during a regular internet search. And there are programs in place that will send a report to accountability partners if any questionable or unseemly things show up on a computer. There are things to do such, uh, those kinds of things in uh, your life. And you might be saying, wait, pastor, you have that? Aren't you a man of God? Yeah. And I understand there are things online that I don't need to have access to. There are. There are things online I don't need to have access to. So let me ask you something. Does your nine-year-old kid have more unfiltered access to the internet than your pastor does? I, I, don't, I don't mean that to be a condemning question whatsoever, and I'm not accusing, but I want us to understand we have a responsibility to keep our children safe. We need to be aware of their media content. You need to be aware of their friends. And, and if there are friends they shouldn't be around, don't let them be around them. <laughs> and children, if your parents have a problem with a friend, obey your parents <laughs> and cut off that relationship. And parents, humbly and lovingly explain to your children why. Do so. That's part of that, not provoking them to wrath, just consistently cutting off relationships. Explain to them why they need to have better friends that will influence them for good. Be aware of all of these things that are shaping their world view. Celebrities, politicians, all of these kinds of people are not, for the most part, thinking in a Christian manner. They're not. The world's education system does not, as a whole, have your biblical values in mind when they teach your children. And if your children have to be in public, the public education system, then you need to be highly involved in that education. Go to PTA meetings. Understand what they're learning. Uh, look at what, uh, what their workbooks say and cross out the things that the Bible actually says are, are wrong. <laughs> okay, it's going to take some work to do these things, but if you, if you want your children to have a Christian worldview, you cannot possibly offset the 40 hours of secular education your child is getting with only bringing your children to church twice a month or even every Sunday just for one or two hours of Bible uh, you, I, you, you, I've, I've heard people say, well, I, I, I don't understand why my child isn't a Christian. It's because you gave your children to the teaching of the world for 40 hours a week and then to the teaching of the Bible for just a few hours a month. 
I'm not saying don't send your kids to public school. I'm saying be involved in their education. And truly, even if you have chosen Christian school or homeschool, be involved in their education. Uh, there, there are other options as well. Christian school, which is the route that, that our, we've chosen, and the main reason is this. If we homeschooled, our children would know nothing. Okay, that's the main reason that we've chosen that. They would know nothing. But no matter what option that you choose, homeschooling, Christian schooling, public schooling, whatever option you choose, it is not easy. It's going to take dedication, time, and work. It will take sacrifice, maybe of money, maybe of your own comfort, and absolutely of your own time. It is your responsibility to raise your children, not the government's. Uh, It's not even the church's responsibility or your pastor's responsibility, although we're here to help aid you in that process, but it is your responsibility as parents to raise your children. So make sure you're aware of what they are exposed to on all fronts. Be aware of those things and make sure there is safety in the home. But then I want to add this one. Make sure you have fun in the home. Sometimes as Christians, we get so worked up in safety in the home that we completely cut our children off from any kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, You tend to protect your children so much that they have no fun. You're so scared of the world that they haven't experienced anything. (laughs) I, I see this often the case in Christian homes. Listen, your children need to, when they walk out of your home, when they uh, uh, eventually grow up and, dis- and go to live on their own, they need to understand that following Jesus is fun. They need to understand this. I see so many uh, parents that, that when they overprotect, they're like, Pastor, we're not, we're not gonna let our kids, uh, and, and if any of these, uh, before I even say, maybe I shouldn't give examples. No, I'm gonna give examples, but if any of these offend you, I really, truly am not trying to offend anyone, but I hear people say like, Pastor, do you know what Halloween is? Pastor, do you know what happens on Halloween? Do you know? And, and if, that's, if, if that's you, again, I'm not trying to offend you, but they're, they're so overprotective that they're like, we're not even gonna take our kids to a church function on that day. <laughs> and, and then there's people that are like, Pastor, did you know Disney's like not a Christian corporation? We've cut out all Disney. We, we don't even watch Bambi. <laughs> like we, we don't watch anything, okay? And they so overprotect their children that then their children don't understand any sort of fun in the home and then they go to school and they hear kids talking about a superhero movie and they come to church and they overhear pastor talking about a superhero movie okay because pastor's seen it and and then you're like oh no okay they need to understand that there is fun to be had uh in the christian life and and really instead of isolating them from the culture this is what you need to do you need to sit with them and view the culture Instead of isolating them completely from the culture, sit with them, walk with them, and view the culture. Uh, when you watch shows, when you watch movies, when you are out in the world and you see things, hey, you see how they did that bad thing? And he was the good guy. <laughs> that was bad. We don't live like that. You want to know why we don't live like that? And t- it, 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 it takes work. But uh, this is one thing I'm so happy that my dad did. I, I'm, I'm a movie buff through and through, and one of the reasons is my dad let me watch all kinds of things, but oftentimes in the middle of movies, someone would say something and goes, hey, uh, Micah, did you hear that word that they just said? We don't say that. You know why we don't say that? Because the Bible says Christians should be careful with the things that come out of our mouth, and we should make sure that they're edifying, okay? That took him three seconds to 10 seconds to pause a movie and say that, to teach me 
to have a Christian worldview, but not to be so shocked by the world that I, that I was completely isolated from even ever hearing things like that. You need to help your children understand that we live in the world, but we are not part of the world. It's a great opportunity when you engage in culture and when you, uh, when you uh, uh, engage in f- even the fun that our world has to offer and the entertainment that some of what our world has to offer, even when you engage in those things, it is a great opportunity to teach them as children right now that they are Christians who live in the world, but that they are not to be worldly. They live in the world, but we are not them. And it is a great way to do that. So Though you need safety in the home, don't seclude them so much that there's absolutely no fun in the home. You need Jesus in your home. You need safety in your home. You need fun in the home. You see, all of this, when you really look down to it, bringing our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it takes work. It does. It would be, it would be very easy for us as parents to just demand obedience from our children and develop children who look good on the outside. That's easy. Fear-mongering is easy. Getting kids to do what you want just because you're bigger than them, that's the easy part, okay? Outward behavior is the easy part, but it takes intention and work to cultivate a child's heart toward God in love in a way that leads to that godly behavior. But a spirit-filled home, it looks like this. Children submitting to the authority of their parents by obeying and honoring them, and parents... Submitting, to their, uh, submitting their comfort and ease to their children in order to truly cultivate their heart to the Lord. How is this possible? Well, as I said at the beginning of the message, this is still a continuation of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. How is this possible? It's possible when children and parents are submitted to God by living in accordance with his word and being filled with his spirit. So let me, let me just close by addressing a few other groups of people this morning. Maybe you hear and you hear all these things about parents and you're thinking, well, that'd be nice. That'd be nice, but my parents are no longer a part of the equation. What, whatever the case might be, I understand the world we live in, whether death or desertion or other situations. Let me say this. There's a verse in the Bible just for you. It says, when my father and mother forsake me or leave me, that for whatever reason, when my father and mother forsake me, then shall the Lord pick me up. The Lord, your heavenly Father, loves you with an everlasting love and you can wholly and wonderfully depend on him as your heavenly Father in these areas. Maybe you're here in life circumstances now have you parenting on your own and you feel all of this and hear all of this and you say, man, this is so hard. I want you to understand there is grace from God for that. And I won't even pretend to uh, understand how hard that might be, but I do know that the Bible says there is grace for that. And God can enable you to parent those children in ways you could never do in your own strength. Rely on the power of the wisdom of God in his word and the spirit of God and allow him to give you the grace that you need to accomplish these things. Maybe you're no longer, as I said at the beginning of the message, a dependent or a child in the home, but you're also not a parent yet. You're But you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, God, your heavenly father. You look at a passage like this, you should take it this way. God, your heavenly father, is so worthy to be obeyed and honored. And the training and the admonition he gives to you in his word is so valuable. Submit to his leadership in your life and follow his will. And then lastly, maybe you're 
here today and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I can obey my parents in the Lord or I'm not sure I can train my kids in the Lord because I, I'm not even sure that I know the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't know that if you die today, you'd spend eternity with Christ in heaven. If that's you today, would you find me after the service today? I would love to show you from the word of God how you can know that all of these things are possible for you to do as hard as they uh, sound through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the first thing is you need the Holy Spirit. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, see me after the service. I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know that you have a relationship with Christ and you're on your way to heaven. But the spirit-filled home, spirit-filled home, where children obey their parents in the Lord and parents train and instruct their children in the Lord. Did you catch that? In our passage, both are instructed to do these things in the Lord. Christ, Christ should be at the center of our home. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.